Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Jesus begins his ministry. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, Westside. We are glad that you are here. Um, Just from the get-go, I'm going to be teaching a lot today. I've got the whiteboard, and those of you uh, avid type A note-takers, I don't want you to stress whatever I draw and do on the whiteboard, we've got a packet out there that will you can take that, so later on in the week you can observe and reflect on all of that stuff. I don't want you to miss the information, but what I want you to do today is I really want you to lean in because I believe we're going somewhere. And I believe today the tools and principles and precepts that I could teach you, uh, empowered by God's Spirit through God's Word, I really believe, listen, if you lean in today, I believe can be a game changer for you and your walk with Jesus. Um, Today we're starting sort of a little bit of a series that I have entitled Defining Moments. Defining Moments. And these are the moments in our lives that do just that. They define either a season or who we are. Um, They can be birth dates. They can be anniversaries. They can be the day you started a job. They can even be the day that you were there at the doctor's office and got some news. They are defining moments. And so here's what I want to do. Just in the beginning... I'm giving you permission. I want you to kind of shout out and maybe talk back to me. Um, Somebody shout out just a defining date in your life. Something that would be like, you know, September the 11th. Or, you know, when somebody says that, everybody knows kind of what that is. Um, Just shout out maybe just a date. Anybody right now, just shout it out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What would you say, Jim? 1985. What's significant about that year? You got married. Amen. Give it up for Jim, man. That was good. See, guys, guys, I set you up for just field goals, just like that, right? Uh, I, I heard some other ones. Shout out a date. July the 4th. July the 4th. What's significant about that? My son got out of prison. Love it. Praise God, buddy. Glad you're here, my man. Yes. One more. Give me one more date. One more date. What's that, Chuck? What's that date? Come on, brother. Come on, man. I love it. Listen, we could pass the microphone and we could be in here all day talking about dates. Um, Just, I remember having conversations with my dad growing up and, and he would talk to me about being there in the gym at college orientation and everything shutting down and hearing about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. There's, there's moments in our life that just things stop. I remember a couple of years ago when President Donald Trump gets on the TV and declares this word that we never heard before, COVID-19, a national crisis, and, and the world shuts down. Or when the world changed forever on February the 11th, 1987. When I was born. No, that's a different day, okay? It's a different day. But listen, defining moments are just that. The Oxford English Dictionary defines a defining moment as this. The point 
at which a situation is clearly seen to start to change. It's a watershed moment is another synonym. That's a defining moment. Maybe for our definition for this series, I want to define a defining moment like this. A defining moment is an experience that is memorable, meaningful, and missional. Now, here's what I mean by that. A defining moment, those dates that you shouted out are memorable. I mean, you could almost probably tell me what you were wearing, what the weather was like on that day. Time pauses in those moments, and we can remember them. But they're also meaningful. Something bigger than us is happening in those moments. And, and some of us, if we're lucky enough and if we're aware enough, we know even in that moment, I'm, I'm never going to be the same again because of this event. But then the last thing is missional. And here's what I mean. Most of the time, it changes our trajectory in life. We were going this way, then that date happened, that experience happened, and from that moment forward, I went a completely different direction in our life. Why are these defining moments so important? Well, just this past week, I had the privilege to travel to St. Louis and perform a funeral for a very dear friend of mine's mother, Miss Joyce who I served with at a church up in St. Louis. She was on the board, and she was well into her 80s. And just telling stories and, and sitting around the dinner table with that family, something dawned on me that they were all talking about defining moments that they had with Joyce that were memorable, meaningful, and missional. But when I reflected on Joyce's life, God just sort of slid into my DMs, if you will, and this is the sentence, that our lives are the sum total of all of our defining moments. That, that at the end of the day, when there is a date on that headstone, and people gather around and they talk about your life and your impact on their life, what we review in those moments is a sum total of all of the defining moments. But how does that affect us in the here and now, today? Well, the quality of our life today is dependent on how we respond to those defining moments. That's it. We are on it now, right? This is the key to everything, that the quality of your life right now, today, is dependent upon how you respond to those defining moments. Um, respond is a very important word. It is not the word react. React is we are not thinking. Reaction is the knee-jerk thing. It is this is what I'm comfortable doing. This is how I will now move into action. But responding takes time. It takes discipline. And I would even say this. It takes a conscious awareness of knowing that God is at work. 
One of the things that we say often here at Westside is that God is always present and at work. That is good news. That is why we memorize these Bible verses like um, Matthew 28 when Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Or in Hebrews that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. God is always present and God is always at work in your life. But here's the key to it. God is always at work. The question is, are we aware of it? Let me take a little weight off your shoulders, okay? The statement is not, will God show up? We've just settled that. God is always present and at work. The question is not, will God show up? The question is, will we wake up to his presence and to what God is doing? Um, If it's your first Sunday here, this is a great Sunday to be here because this church has had defining moments throughout its history. Um, This church is a group of people who have come together and there are significant dates that were defining moments that were memorable, meaningful, and missional. You're literally sitting where you are right now in this time and space because there were defining moments. Um, The first one was on April 26, 1964, when 33 people met in this house, in the basement of Margaret and Ted Cross's home. And through the admissions and missions board of the denomination that they were a part of, they sanctioned and held their very first service as a congregation. I still have the sermon notes over there in my office. It's an incredible honor to have those things. It's an incredible defining moment. And then even a few years later, December 31st, or actually just a few months later, December 31st, after they had grown out of that building and then a First Baptist Sunday School building, they built their first building on Harper and Mill for $35,000, right? It's incredible. Um, With their own hands, they lay the cinder blocks. Another defining moment. Here's where time and opportunity and all these things converge together and a group of people discern together what God is doing. The question was not, will God show up? The question was, will we wake up? And yes, they did. And they responded. And then, a few years later, in the spring of 1974... Under the leadership of Reverend Billy Wiles, the church purchased two parcels of land on the corner of Shannon Drive and Barron Road. And then later they construct the building that you are in now. Great picture of the congregation, right? This picture hangs in my office on the bookshelf and I look at it a lot. It's a great prayer prompt for me. You know why? Because as I look at the faces and I look at the incredible bell-bottoms in the picture (laughs) as a stamp of the time that it was taken, right? I look and I think, wow, what was going on in their lives, these individuals, these people? And then there's always a moment. There's always a moment when it dawns on me. I am now what they are in this picture. 
a member of this congregation. You are now what you see in this photograph. And there were defining moments in the history of the church and these people responded and they did things and, and we are a byproduct now of their response to what God was doing. It's incredible to think about. And could I suggest that maybe um, there's another defining moment that we've just experienced together as a congregation. That a month ago yesterday, um, we sent out the news of an emergency time of prayer here at the church. And we experienced the loss of our youth leader, JT. And, and it was a very defining moment in the life of our church as, as we didn't even know a lot of the information. And I hopped in the car and, and drove to St. Louis with a group of people and stopped in here. And we had just posted on Facebook, emergency prayer at the church. The church is open. And, and I get here and there's like a hundred people here and all from the community and from the church. And people stayed well into 1130 and there's a defining moment that's taken place as I've had conversations, as we've walked through grief and glory and explained those things and talked about that. But here's why I think that this moment is very much so a defining moment for our congregation. When we talk about defining moments, oftentimes we just assume that they have to be good and they have to have good news in them. And, and, and a lot of us, that is a defining moment. But oftentimes, it's in the tragedy and it's in the suffering that we become aware of things that we were not aware of at first. C.S. Lewis, a great author and theologian, wrote about this problem that he called it. In the book entitled, The Problem of Pain, and he writes it after his wife had passed away. And, and, and he just comes to the scriptures and, and he has a heavy heart and there's grief and there's suffering. And, and he's very disoriented and there's a lot going on. And C.S. Lewis famously writes these words. Pain insists upon being attended to. You see, God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. Pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I would just lay before you this, that the moments of pain and suffering are the defining moment. That's when God has our attention. And the problem oftentimes in those moments is a number of things. We're overwhelmed with emotion, but most of the time, and listen, I, I mean, in a room this size with this many people, 
All of us, right now, can I just take another burden off your shoulders? That little insecurity that you have in your heart and mind of like, should I go forward and pray? Because he was like, hey, come lay your burdens at the altar. And, and if I go forward and pray, then they're going to know I have burdens. And then they're going to lean over and be like, I told you she had burdens, right? And, and this, that, and the other. Hey, can, can I just tell you something right now? Everybody in this room is two steps away from stupid in their life. And some of us are in stupid right now. Right now, in this moment. We are all broken and we all have problems. They are insurmountable. It's called life. This thing will beat you down. It's always unexpected. Of course you didn't see it coming. Of course you couldn't imagine that that person that you loved would do such a thing or that this person could be taken away from you. Of course you didn't know. But the thing is this, it happened and it's happening now. The question is, how will we respond? And so the big idea that I really just want to lay before you today that we have to know in a defining moment, there has got to be a question that we ask in a defining moment. And please listen, if you don't know how to answer this question, you will be ruled by life. It will be tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And then you will become bitter and you will shake your fist at God. Because there is one question you must ask. And it is this. What is God saying to us? What is God saying? How am I supposed to respond? What is God saying? Because listen, maybe, maybe you're not a believer in the room today. And listen, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here. We're going to do a lot of weird stuff in just a moment. We're going to say that we're eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood. You're going to be like, what? Right? It's, it's all in the book. Trust me, it's in the book. But listen, if you are a follower of Jesus in here today, we live our life on being able to answer this question. What is God saying in this moment? There are times where we can just chapter and verse and we can read what God has said. God always speaks to his word. Always. Hey, listen, did you know that if you're going through something in your life and then you read in the Bible something that applies to that moment in your life, did you know that you don't even have to pray about it? You can just do it. It's crazy, right? You see, I think, though, that we struggle with actually doing it because we don't know what's going to happen. So Christians say stuff like, uh, I want to pray about it. I want to pray about it. I want to pray about whether I should, like, you know, give to the poor and take care of widows and orphans and stuff. Um, actually, no, you should not. Because right in the book of James, it says to do those things, right? You don't even have to pray about it. It's a great weight lifted off your shoulder. Here's something I want to tell you. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. Could you just free yourself of that burden today? That the outcome is not your responsibility. In a defining moment, God is speaking. Most of the time in pain, he is speaking even louder. So how do we answer this question? 
Listen, if you can lean in for the next like 15 minutes, I really believe that what I'm going to teach you will really change your life. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, the verses that were read to you are a defining moment. They are a defining moment because Jesus is beginning his ministry. Jesus has been sort of in the background. There was some stuff when he was a kid, and there was like a Macaulay Culkin home alone scene that took place, and his parents lost him on the way to the temple, and like, ah, you know, you lost God. That's kind of crazy, right? And so there's a few other insights, but for a majority of Jesus' life, it's quiet. And then he gets baptized by John. The heavens rip open. An audible voice comes from heaven and says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And then it is game time. And Jesus preaches right here in Mark 1 verse 14. is Jesus' very first sermon ever recorded. Most scholars believe that this is basically like a summary of what Jesus would preach everywhere he would go. Jesus rolls into a town and preaches this sermon. Look at these verses and what he says. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel or the good news. That's it, man. That's like the message. Notice that it's not, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God saying, God loves you. Right, okay? Right? We would would change Jesus' first sermon, no doubt. But this is it. And there is something in these verses that are a defining moment. It's not just a defining moment because Jesus is starting his ministry. It's literally the very words that Jesus uses that are a defining moment. You see, when he says, the time is fulfilled, that word time is a game changer. We've taught it here, but it is appropriate for review. In the original language that the New Testament is written in, Jesus would have spoken something called like Koine Greek, which would have been not like a Greek like that philosophers spoke, but like a street Greek, okay? Like it would have had different uh, influxes and this, that, and the other. There are, in the original language, two words for the word time, okay? The first word in the original language is the word chronos. And for the two of you who care, this is what it looks like in the original language, okay? Chronos, does that sound familiar to you? It sounds a lot like chronological, right? That's where we get the word from. The word chronos is time as we experience it in units, such as seconds, minutes, hours, days, years, etc. It's just, it's time. It's undefeated. It never ends. And it's time. That's what chronos is. A sequence of 
events in time, okay? Are you with me? We're learning a little bit, okay? God forbid we come to church and learn. That would be crazy, right? The second word is the word that Jesus uses. Jesus does not use chronos. Jesus does not say the time, the chronos, the just da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, just the boring time is now fulfilled. He doesn't say that. Jesus uses the word kairos. Kairos. This is what it looks like. And oh man, this is the good stuff. You ready for this? Kairos is God's time. Kairos is completely different from chronos. Kairos is that, that special moment. That moment where we say it was perfect timing. You know, um, non-believers or, or secular people would say, you know, it, uh, what a coincidence or this, that, and the other. Kairos is God's timing, an occasion or opportunity or moment that brings about change. Kairos is that moment that changes everything, where time gets slow and you are aware that something else is going on. To help you discern um, if you've ever had a Kairos moment, which is a defining moment, um, we, we say a lot of the same language in a Kairos moment. You'll say maybe these phrases, um, aha, right? Aha, that's, that's a kairos moment. That's language. Aha, or how about, um, uh-oh, uh-oh. Your kids use that a lot, right? Uh-oh, or oh no, oh no. A month ago yesterday, I said, oh no. What? You see, it's a Kairos moment. It's something bigger than me is happening and taking place. So what is God saying to us? And how can we answer it and discern what is happening in the Kairos moment? Listen, all of you are having them. The question is not again, is God going to show up? I hope God shows up. You should not say in the car on the way to church, boy, I hope God shows up. The question is, will I wake up? Will I wake up? How do we answer it? Adam, if you could hand me that board, I want to show you something that I think is a tool that comes straight from the text that will help us answer what is God saying to us. Thank you, buddy. So we said that chronos, time as we know it, just looks like this. Right? That's chronos. That's just regular time that takes place. But we said that there are moments when something happens. And that, what's the word again? Kairos, it's okay. You can be confident, right? You could even put a little bit of Southeast Missouri on it. Kairos, okay? That's fine. Turn to your neighbor and say Kairos. Turn to your other neighbor and say Kairos. That's good, man. You're doing great. There's a Kairos moment. 
That's God's time in our time. We're all having them. Again, it can be positive. It can be good. It can be a check in the mail that you were not expecting. It can be a phone call from someone you haven't spoke to in a while who's broke down and, and says, man, I miss you. It can be a call from the doctor. Or it can be a whole other type of phone call with a family member. It's a Kairos moment. What is God saying to us? Well, Jesus actually tells us in the text how we respond. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. Kairos. This is it. God's time. He's here. The author has wrote himself into the story. Game changer. The time is fulfilled. Then you need to do what? There's two words that I'm looking for in the text. There are action words that follow. The time is fulfilled. Repent. Repent. And believe. How do you spell believe? B-E-L-I-E-V-E. I always switch the I and the E, man, okay? I'm hooked on phonics, I'm sorry. One night we were in uh, connection class and I wrote the word hypostatic union up on the board and I spelt it right and I spelt receive wrong, okay? <laughs> sorry, all right, just get what you pay for today, okay? So, there's a Kairos moment, something has happened. God's doing something, it's God's time and your time. God is saying something. And how you respond to this moment will forever change the trajectory of your life. And can I just pause and say that indecision is a decision? So if you're saying this will work itself out, nah, they'll figure it out. It'll work, nah, don't worry about it. Um, no, it won't. And the odds are it won't work itself out. It'll blow up. So indecision is a decision. So Jesus says repent and believe. Now the word repent, we've got to do some work here. That has become almost a dirty word in church. And the reality is, is that it's not a dirty word. Did you know that the word repentance literally means, I mean translated from the word a change of mind that changes our direction. So this is a physical example of repentance. That you are going on a certain path in your life. And you are playing Frank Sinatra's, I did it my way, right? You're just going your way in life. And then you have a moment of repentance. And what repentance is, I don't want to go this way anymore. This way is not profitable for me. This does not end well. This is not aligned with God's will. So, I want to go this way. That's what repentance is. 
So how can we break this down and make this practical? Listen, I'm talking about the moment that you're dealing with right now in your life. It's a Kairos moment. You know it. You don't even have to write it down. Now you know Jesus has said to repent and then to believe. What does that look like? Well, I think the first thing when it comes to repentance is this. Is to observe. What's going on? I mean, guys, do you know how quickly we react to situations? I mean, I'm talking in a matter of seconds. Your sister comes in and says, did you hear what mom did? And you're like, oh, no, she did not. And, then, and you didn't even like, my goodness gracious, right? Or your boss has changed something. Or the, it, I don't know what your kairos is, but you're already in it and you don't even have all the information. Can I tell you something? That social media is very dangerous because of that. There's a proverb that says there is um, a man seems right when he states his case until the second man comes and tells the rest of the story. We just, we just need to observe. We need to sit back and see what's happening. The second thing is this. We reflect. And you know what? We don't like reflecting. We don't like reflecting. You know why? Because when you reflect, you feel things. And the reason why we react and not reflect is because reaction is a safety mechanism. You don't want to feel pain. So I'll either, you know, freeze, fight, flight, whatever those things are. But when we reflect, we ask ourselves questions like, what am I feeling right now? Why can't I sleep at night? Or why did this gift just bring me so much joy in my life right now? What else is, is going on in my life that that would be so significant? But what's important about reflect is you can't just stay there. You have to reflect and then discuss. And what I mean by discuss is you have to be in community. You have to process this with people. The kairos is happening. And listen, nobody in this room has the tools and the self-awareness on their own. I get so heartbroken at the amount of marriages that fail and disintegrate and they've never once stepped foot in to talk with someone or to process anything out. It is simply a reaction, no reflection, and then the end is done. But we have to ask people to bring it in. This part, repentance here, it's all internal. This is internal work that's taking place. Now, the kairos, 
It's happened. You've started your business, or the business has ended, or you've had your first child, or you've just gotten married, or something's happening, and it is, you know, this is a defining moment. It's kairos. It's God's timing in my timing. How I respond to this is going to change the rest of my life. It starts with repentance. It always starts with repentance. Every single minor prophet, we walk through some of them. Do you know what their sermon was in one word? Repent. That's what it was. And then all Jesus, you know how, I'm a fan of Jesus, not the Old Testament really, because Jesus comes along and he changes everything because his sermon is repent, right? That's the message, guys. Think about it this way. Um, I remember taking our vehicle to get the wheels aligned. And, and our tires on, on one spot had kind of rubbed almost like bald, like the traction was gone. Because if you'd let go of the steering wheel, boom, you know, you're in the ditch. And then when you go get a realignment, it balances it so you can drive straight. Repentance is realignment. It is being out of line of either God's will or an opportunity to be out of line. And God is speaking to you and he is saying, no, 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 not that way, this way. So we're observing, we're reflecting, we're reading God's word, we're praying. Then we're discussing it in community. And can I say something here? You need to be wise about who you let into your Kairos moments. Now, not bitter, but you need to be wise. You know that thing that Jesus says about don't cast a pearl before swine? Everybody's like, what does that even mean, right? Well, if you see a pig eating and then you throw a pearl in its path, it will not stop and go, wow, what a beautiful pearl that I see amongst this slop here today. It will just eat the pearl. It doesn't recognize the value. It doesn't recognize the value. So the people that you bring in in these moments, they need to be your safe people. Now listen to me. Not the people that only agree with you. Because you have a moment. You can call who you want to call, or you can call who you need to call. And most of the time, those are two different people. And so we discuss and we say, this is going on. This is what I've been reading. This is what I've been seeing. Now we start moving this direction. And now we start getting into believing. Did you know um, what a, a proper maybe translation for the word believe would be? Think about it this way, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you know that a a similar word for believe would be rest? Ooh. Ooh. Rest. Well, that changes everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever rests in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The word believe is is an action. Think rest. Think this is a safe place. Think I'm leaving this here. So what what do we do when we start going this way? Well, now you're in community. You're praying. 
and you get here. You make a plan. I mean, the saying is true. It's super cheesy. But if you fail to plan, then you're planning to, to fail. Why do we do this in every other area of our life? Like, like some of you are like getting ready to build a house or you're building a house right now, right? Did you just like, hey, we're just going to go. I, I, mean, I mean, I think we need, you know, 102 by fours. I don't know, something like that. And we're just going to buy it and we're just going to figure it out. We're just going to see how it goes. I'm going to, you know, go and kind of whittle some stuff together. And I don't even know if you whittle with a house, okay? We're just going to do some stuff. No, nobody does that. Why do we assume that we can just, um, my relationship with Jesus will, it'll just happen. It'll just, I don't know. It'll just, you know, I'll wake up and I'll do the Russian roulette with the Bible. And I'll go, I'm going to start reading here today, you know. There's a famous story of a guy who did that, and he opened it up, and it said, Judas hung himself. He was like, nope, not today, okay, right? Not today. We have to plan in community with people. What has God said? What do I feel like I need to do? It's the plan, and then this. This is what makes plans a game changer. Accountability. Accountability. So we're getting ready to start that time of the year. Um, I mean, it's a little ways away. But when Planet Fitness is packed, right, in January, and there's a recent study shown that those who start working out with a partner, please don't miss this, are 97% more likely to complete their goal or task than someone who's the Lone Ranger. Guys, that is a statistic that is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. To ask those people, hey, hold me accountable in this. So this happened in my marriage, and I really think that I've got to have a conversation and bring this up. And so I'm observing how that event made me feel and my emotions in this. And I've reflected, and I've even journaled, and I've read God's Word, and I've asked people to come in and say, hey, am I off on this, or does this seem right? And then I've kind of rehearsed this and planned this out, and I feel like this is what's going to happen. And on Tuesday night, when we have dinner, I'm going to have the conversation and I need you guys to call me that morning and ask me how it went. Accountability. And then the last thing is this, and we've actually already said it, but is act. Just do it. Just do it. Guys, what if what if the disconnection in our life when we read the Bible and we read the book of Acts or Paul's life and we read it and we go, man, why don't I see that anymore? Why, don't I, why, don't, why doesn't God move like that anymore? That's not the question. God's always present and at work. The question is, why are we not radically obedient like that? I mean, I'm talking just out in faith. And listen, if you feel like, because I know what some of you are saying, you're saying, Pastor Jason, this is great. That looks really, that, ooh, that's a good sermon right there, buddy. 
But Pastor Jason, you have no idea what you are asking me to do. And you're right. I don't. I don't know the implications and how long you've wrestled with it and how deep of a wound this might be. But I do know this, that God always, always, always blesses obedience. Hands down, take it to the bank. So what if you feel like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I feel like it's all going to fall apart. That's what some of you are saying right now, and I would say this, then you're right there. You're right there because you are in a place that is so dependent that if God does not come through, this is a failure. And that's exactly where God wants to work. That's exactly where God wants to work. So the significance is, what is God saying to us? It's a Kairos moment. It's God's time and our time. This is a game changer. This is a defining moment in my life. And how I respond or react or don't respond will change everything. Observe, reflect, discuss, and then rest in Jesus by planning, having people hold you accountable, and then just simply do it. So, Again, all that's out there in the packet. I want you to take it and discuss it this week, but please listen to me. The two questions today of application are very simply this. What is God saying to us? What is God saying to me? And then the second one is this. What are you going to do about it? I believe a month ago, yesterday, was a Kairos moment for this congregation. And I believe the way that we discern what God is saying to us through this horrible tragedy will define the future of this church. If we let this moment pass, and if we just want to get back to normal, it will be a waste. What has God done? What's he saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? In closing, I want to tell you this. Westside, this year has been our year in the Grace family of churches. It's been an incredible journey. The Grace family of churches, um, they started with a Kairos moment. This is a picture of Art and Denise Smith. <clears throat> and in 1994, they begin going to a church called Grace in Snellville there in the Atlanta area. And in 1994, they began going and Buddy was preaching and they started getting very involved in the church. And then their son, Jesse, became diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer. And it was a fight. For three years, it was a fight. But the family started noticing stuff. One day, the dad, when this, uh, Jesse was there getting treatment at the hospital, um, went down into the lobby and was so uh, taken back because the entire lobby was filled 
with Jesse's youth group friends from church and Buddy and some of the pastors. And year in, year out, every time there was a treatment, every time Jesse had an infection and had to go, boom, the hospital was filled, the family was getting taken care of, the church was serving. It was really a move of God. And then the battle really started to rage for Jesse. And there's a video of it on the documentary of the Grace Family of Churches on YouTube. But Jesse's in his bed and the room is packed. His friends and everyone are around. And Jesse starts talking about his funeral and what he wants. And they had Jesse's funeral there at the high school baseball field. And Jesse had requested that his casket be on home plate because he wanted everyone to know that he was home safe with Jesus. But he preached the funeral and gave an invitation and hundreds of students, grown men and grown women came forward and prayed and gave their life to Jesus. The church began to grow so much that the elder board had a moment. They had blueprints on the wall. They were getting ready to build the monstrosity of the building that would hold 5,000 plus people and all of that stuff. And Buddy walked, I mean, they're getting ready to sign the contract. And Buddy walks into the elders meeting and says, it doesn't feel right. And then one elder spoke up and said, it doesn't feel right. And then the other elder spoke up and said, it doesn't feel right. And they said, what if instead of making this one big place, what if we started a family of churches? What if we started planning churches and making disciples that make disciples that make disciples? And Westside you are here in Popper Bluff, Missouri, and now you are a part of a movement of churches because there was a Kairos moment. Do you see it? Do you see how you're sitting where you are right now because of Margaret and Ted Cross and because of Buddy and a boy named Jesse and all of these things? What is God saying to us in this season, Westside? And what are we going to do about it? The ball's in your court. Father God, we come before you today, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in a very real way. God, for the first time, some light bulbs are turning on. There are some real things that are happening. People have very real events, and for the first time, language has been put to the situation. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is a Kairos moment. My life, I know, is going to change because of this. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you begin to speak and to move into their hearts. Maybe it starts with a moment of surrender up here in prayer. Maybe it starts with, I've got to let people in on this situation. Maybe some people are at the believe and they need to start making plans. And then maybe some of us have, by God's grace, done some of these things. And now we're ready to act. But God, we believe that you are present and at work in these defining Kairos moments. God, speak to Westside. For we are in a season where there is pain. But God, we are listening to your megaphone. Speak to us. 
And may we respond in faith and rest and believe in Jesus. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.